You're here, which means that you've found spirit crumbs, leading you to your inner light worker. I will be sharing how these tiny little hints from the universe have led me to where I am today. I hope that by hearing my story and the stories of others, you'll pick up your own spirit crumbs along the way that will lead you to somewhere magical. Thanks for coming along for the journey. Let's see where it takes us. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Spirit Crumbs. I am your host, Andrea McCallum, and I am an artist and a healer. In today's episode, although we've finished our Artist's Way series, we are talking about spirituality and creativity with author, podcaster, and healer, Sarah Ray. I am going to be on her podcast, Spiritually Inspired, next week. And in today's episode, we talked a lot about creativity and how sometimes the things that we do every day are more creative than we give ourselves credit for. And we have a really great conversation about how rituals and spirituality kind of works in tandem with our creativity. So today, Sarah, I thought that we could talk about creativity since it's something we have in common and we're both spiritual people. And like I mentioned, I have been doing my 12-week series on the artist's way, and I feel like it would be nice to get someone else's perspective on creativity. So how are you doing today, Sarah? I'm doing excellent. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I enjoyed having you on my show so much, and it's an honor to come back and return the favor. I think that it's going to be so fun for listeners to hear both because I feel like I have a feeling my episode with you will be a little bit darker today talking about creativity. So we'll get a bit of both sides of both of us. I think. Yes, <laughs> that's kind of the nature of the awakening stories, though. They, they tend to be a little darker, but that's okay. It's not always rainbows and sunshine, but a lot of creativity stems from those darker times for sure. That's so true. I feel like there is always a crossover between the two. And mm -hmm. speaking of that, because I know we both have these awakening stories, but has creativity also always been part of your life as well? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There was never a time in my life where I didn't have creativity going through me in some way. And I love making jewelry. I don't do that as much as I used to, but I do it consistently now, often, I should say. I remember back when I was like nine years old, I was making jewelry. And now here I am 20 years later, still doing that. <laughs> so, and I've always been a writer. Like I, my mom still has like the first story I ever wrote. And I only know this name because she constantly reminds me about it. It's called Beanie and the Polar Bear. And apparently it's like a little beanie baby and a polar bear that go on an adventure. I don't know, like I wrote it as a kid. <laughs> so, and, and I've always like loved painting. So yeah, I've always been creative and that's always been really important to me. I love that. And I feel like it, we have something in common too, because I still have one of the first like stories I wrote and I like taped together the pages and made it into a book. And I'm pretty sure mine was about like some girl who was in like an ice castle or something. So we have the, the winter vibes in common, yeah. even in our <laughs> stories. <laughs> we must've written it in the middle of winter. You know, when it was sure cold outside. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I also loved Beanie Babies. So I feel like yes. we have that in common too. I think it comes with the age a little bit. Like you can't grow up in that era without loving Beanie Babies. <laughs> Absolutely. I feel like it would be very sad if someone didn't have that as a fond memory, especially yeah. like when you think of like boy bands and Beanie Babies were like, <laughs> the, life, right? the 90s into the early 2000s. That's just the only thing that matters was boy bands and beanie babies, all the bees. Exactly. <laughs> what else do you need really? <laughs> 
And I know one theme that has come up for me a lot lately, because I know we were talking about how spirituality obviously is something that has been a part of our lives in some way, shape or form. And I was just wondering for you how spirituality and creativity might be linked or if you have a similar journey with both. You know, I don't think I really grasped how art can be spiritual until I was a little bit older, but I, I think I mentioned to you in our awakening story before that I, I have a ballerina background. So I grew up dancing on points and all these things. So that was probably my earlier connection with creativity and spirituality and being creative with my body and dancing in that way and how that could like bring me closer to myself. Uh, so not so much with my paintbrush or my pen necessarily, but with my body being creative that way, definitely led down to a spiritual path because I would feel the music and I would feel my body and I would be amazed at what I could do. Uh, obviously I can't do any of that anymore, <laughs> but it was, it was fantastic back then. And, I, and it felt so right in that moment. And when I started painting and I was, I was older and I wasn't dancing anymore, I realized I could find that same sensation of oneness and just like returning to source, even though I didn't have the words to say it that way, but that's essentially what it was. I, I had that when I was a little bit older with painting specifically, that's probably my favorite mode of being creative is painting. I love that. I feel like it is so true. Like there's just a connection that you have when it's just you and the materials and just seeing what moves through you. And I think in the artist's way, I feel like that is probably my favorite through line for the Mm -hmm. book because she does call it the spiritual path to creativity yes and I do like that like even when you're talking about the struggles and the difficult parts of it which I think she does really beautifully I think that the fact that it always comes back to like your creativity comes from source so you're honoring that and yourself at the same time I just recorded week 11 so this will be after (laughs) week 12 obviously but one of the things she brought up was having like an artist altar or like rituals around your spiritual practice and creative practice. And I was just wondering if you have any rituals that you do for either like spiritual or creative rituals. I absolutely have spiritual rituals. It's a huge, important part of my life. I've never thought until I came across the artist way, I never thought of like my creative practices being ritualistic because they've always been so intuitive but I guess writing is pretty ritual for me because that's something that I like my whole job is based around is writing so I, I do have a specific set of things that I do when I write starts with logistics like researching what I'm going to do and kind of gathering my thoughts and outlines and that sort of thing I wouldn't say that's really creative but I enjoy it and then I kind of sit down and like everything has to be just so I have to have my water and I have to have the music playing and all these things and that's not like a not inherently unique by any means, like tons of people do that, but that definitely gets you in the right headspace for me to write. And then for painting, I wouldn't say I really even have a ritual. Um, it just happens at on Friday nights at nine after the baby's asleep. <laughs> so I guess, I guess that's kind of a ritual is putting her to sleep and like having my own time. I, that's my artist date every week, every week is, is painting for a couple hours on Friday nights. And I wish I could do that more, but I don't really have the time to do that but my spiritual rituals happen every morning. Um, Every morning, it it looks a little bit different, but I I do the morning pages or a variation of the morning pages from the artist's way. And then I do yoga and meditate. And the meditation is going to vary depending on what I'm currently working on. Like right now I'm doing a lot of Reiki. Sometimes I sit in the power, which is a type of meditation you do to improve your mediumship skills. So those are probably the strongest rituals I have in my life are my spiritual ones. But creativity is, for me, it's more just setting the stage and making time. 
That makes so much sense. I love though that you do actually commit to your artist date every week because that is actually impressive. Like you have a baby and you're still doing that, like on top of work, because like I live by myself and I like barely do it. I hear you. It's, it's hard. And it was something I had to do deliberately. And it was like, I had to tell my husband, like, this happens. Like, I'm sorry. I love you. We'll, we'll spend time together on a different day. But if I find that if I go too long without doing something that's pure creativity and not related to work in any way, I get really antsy. And then I get distracted to the point where I can't really focus on anything else. Like I go down the YouTube rabbit hole and I watch nothing but like painting tutorials, like art time lapses. Those are my favorite things. Like you get on Instagram reels, and just watch a bunch of art time lapses and I can't get anything done because that's all I'm thinking about. So I, if I don't make time for it, it consumes everything. That is such a good way of looking at it. Like, you know what, instead of wasting my time, just like scrolling on reels, thinking about it, why don't I just actually channel some energy and time into actually doing the practice? Because I'm definitely the same way. Like if I know I haven't been doing a lot of, mind you, my creativity's just shifted. I was actually talking about that in this episode because I started getting mad at myself for not doing it. But then I was like, you know what, every time I'm doing my audio editing, that's a creative thing because I'm making decisions of like, what gets shifted around and when I'm editing other people's work and I do graphic design stuff every week, but I do catch myself watching like all the watercolor and printmaking and all those tutorials when I'm like, okay, I could just pull out mine and do it and not have this feeling of like needing to do it now and then not doing it. I actually love, because that actually is part of the artist where she talks about that. She talks about how we don't allow ourselves to do it and how we get frustrated and we turn into like this awful person if we don't let ourselves have that time. And I can totally relate to that a hundred percent. So I think I need to actually shift my schedule into leaving a specific time because I am good with specific times doing things if I have something scheduled. So that's very Capricorn of you. <laughs> it's genuinely something I look forward to every week because um, it's, I could rearrange other things. I know you know the feeling, but I have a lot of other projects going on that are pushing me towards other things that are equally as important as my creative time. And those are all creative in their own right. Like you said, your podcast editing, not necessarily for your clients, but for yourself is creative in its own way. And it absolutely is. And everything else that I do for my business as well is definitely creative, but that is a different flavor of creativity because I'm being creative with my writing that is going to get published. I'm being creative with my video editing and my B-roll and all these things and my photography, because that's you know, part of my brand, but my paintings, I don't sell. I mean, maybe one day I would love to sell my paintings, but I mean, I'm doing that just for myself. It leaves a lot of freedom open and kind of in that same regard, I'm not afraid to like copy other people because I'm not selling it. So I'll like literally just pull up a picture on Instagram of another artist that I really admire and try to copy their style. And I learned so much that way. Sometimes I'll post it and tag in them and they're like, Oh, that's so cool. Draw it in your style. I'm like, it's actually your style. And I'm just copying it. I don't do it enough to really have my own style, but I do it anyway, because it's, it's just fun for me because it's just a different type of creativity than what I would normally do for work. Totally. And I think that's so valid too, because I feel like people think there has to be a purpose for it. And I think mm -hmm. the chapters, when we talk about play, that's literally the point of play is time spent doing something you enjoy with no like desired outcome. And I think we don't do enough of that in our society. We don't value that. And it's hard to like, consciously do it on, on a regular basis and without feeling like you could be using that time for something else but the whole thing is if you spend your time on something you love everything else feels a little bit less forced because you feel like you put that energy into something that you enjoyed and you're filled up again and you have the energy to do other things 
Absolutely. That's a theme that comes up with all the people that I talk to and with my husband as well. And with people that in general, like I, I see that theme, what you just said, come up all the time. Like people feel like it needs to be justified in some way that your pure enjoyment isn't reason enough to just do it. So there, it needs to contribute to a bigger goal in some way, which in my eyes, it, it does like creating just for creative sake does contribute to my quote, bigger goal of just being fulfilled, I guess it's for lack of better words. Yeah. It's something that people feel like they are not okay to do. They don't have the freedom to just do it just for fun and have to play with it. And it's also perfectionism, I think bleeds into that a little bit as well, where I go, Oh, well, my painting isn't as good as the Instagram person that I'm copying right now for fun. Therefore I suck and I shouldn't do it anymore. Well, it's like, what does it matter? You know, <laughs> just, just do it. Who, who cares? just for fun. I love that point because it also is like part of in the book where she talks about like, you have to do the, you have to do it badly before yes. you're going to do it well. If yes. you don't do it badly, then like, you're never going to do it. Like perfectionism is just you stopping yourself from doing something because it might not turn out the way you want it to. But I have to say with the copying thing that came up for me a lot, like in art school, where I was like, for a while, I would get like stuck because I wouldn't, start with anything because I, I would think, okay, well, I could copy something to get the skills down pat and then try to try to do it myself. But I would always be like, oh, but then I'm copying. But one of my sculpture profs actually said, he was like, sometimes you do your best work working out of someone else's work because you have to like, if you envy or appreciate someone's work, there's got to be something there for you. And once you've copied what they've done, usually it leads you to something else. So the more you start, you keep doing that and finding all the things that inspire you and copy them and do them, eventually you will come up with your own style, right? Like that's the whole thing is like, when you look at the masters, a lot of the work they did in like the art schools was literally copying the masterpieces of the world and seeing how well they did. And that was how they learned. So I think the fact that you do that naturally is so cool. That's such an artist thing to do is to be like, well, for now, I'm going to like find the ones I'm inspired by and try to do that myself. I really appreciate that. Thank you. And it's such a fun thing when I see a, a type of art that I really love. Um, and I'm like, oh, that this is combining my favorite things, watercolors and dragons. That's so cool. I'm going to see if I can like emulate some of the techniques that they're using. And, and that doesn't just apply to painting or drawing that is obviously can be applied to writing as well, where you shouldn't, you're not really gaining skills by just copying someone word for word, but you can kind of you know, do write fan fiction, for example, where you're essentially working out of their own world, but you're creating a new story from it, even though it's in their same universe. So, I mean, fan fiction is things that people love and people love to read it and they love to write it. And it's the definition of copying essentially, but it's awesome. It's a fun thing to do. Yeah, no, I think that that's great. I think I need to do that more. When I get stuck, just find something I like and try to emulate it. I think I need to get back into the habit of doing that because sometimes when you're stuck, that's the best place to start is like, what do I like? Why would I not start there, right? But I actually love that you brought that up because I do feel like that's something I need to do more because (laughs) I do stop myself a lot where I'm like, if I don't know what I want to make, I'm not going to like pull all my materials out. So that is awesome. And then I was wondering in the artist's way, if there was any particular parts of it that you really resonated with or that stuck with you after you read it or went through it? You know, week one always sticks out to me because I feel like it's so important and so applicable to so many people where they're talking about 
not allowing yourself to be an artist where the, the one that I always come back to is the couple of examples of a couple of gentlemen she has in there. I can't remember what she said their names were, but they were always associated really closely with other people that were artists and they like got their creative fuel by like kind of living vicariously through them because they couldn't be an artist, but they can be close to this artist who's succeeding. And then they're feeling like they're creatively succeeding as well. And the reason that resonates with me and always stuck with me is because I feel like that's 90% of the people out there. And I know we've all been there. I know I've been there where um, I always use painting as an example. That's like my favorite hobby to do. But, you know, I always just watched people paint for the longest time. I would watch all those time lapses on Instagram and I wouldn't actually do anything, but I would live vicariously through my favorite artists because they were so talented. And I felt like I was learning through them, even though I wasn't actually doing it. So in the artist way, when she talks about that in that very first week, it's so important, such a big foundation that everyone has creativity within them. And you're the only one that's telling you you're not creative. And I, it always hurts my heart when I hear people say that they're not creative or that they don't, they can't do this sort of creative thing or like, oh, I would love to learn to paint, but I just don't have the, I, I can't do that. Or I can draw a stick person and that's it. Like, I hear that a lot. I don't know if it's just the Midwest, but I hear like that specific phrase a lot. And it's, it's just sad. And I want more people to approach the artist's way with an open mind because that first week where you're like the art isn't for you for some reason or creativity isn't for you just isn't true and that just totally abolishes that completely and then the doors are wide open and the floodgates just come (laughs) yeah it's so true that first week really is like foundational I think she does a great job of making it so that anybody who's already hesitant in that first chapter, it's speaking right to them. It's saying like, no, you are the person that's saying you're not creative. Well, guess what? You are. And like, everybody can do this. And I think, like you said, I, in my episodes, I purposely don't tell the examples because I just want people to like, listen to the basics and apply it. But when you get the book and you read the examples, it is really helpful because it shows you how somebody who, like you said, thought, oh, I can't be an artist. And they just are around other people. I think she calls them shadow artists, where it's like, they, they try to put themselves around that or like shadow careers, like shadow artist careers, like that's kind of was me. So I totally identify with that as well. Because I didn't go to school for art originally, but I went for visual merchandising arts. And so I learned like graphic design, visual merchandising, all of these things that had creative elements to them. But then I got to those jobs, moved my way up, and then was like, this is not like the level of like freedom and creativity I expected. And then I went back to school for art. So I feel like there is that shadow part of you where even if you can push yourself close to being the artist you think you are, you still are like, no, that's not for me. Like, I'm not an artist. Like calling yourself an artist, I think is one of the hardest things to do like an artist or a writer or an author or whatever those titles are is so hard to like claim for yourself. I don't know if you found that as well. I find that a lot with other people. I've gotten better with myself because now I'm actually doing the things. Um, But before and with other people as well, they go, well, I am not getting, I'm not doing it professionally. They're meaning getting paid to do it in some way. Therefore, I'm not that thing. Like I'm not an author because I don't have a published book out or I'm not JK Rowling or whatever else, or, or I'm not an artist because I'm not Pablo Picasso or I'm not whatever else. I'm, I think people do struggle with that because it comes down to capitalism, um, not to get on a soapbox or anything like that. But I do think that that plays a big role 
role in it. And she talks about this in the artist way as well, the starving artist um, mentality. That is what people think when they hear artists is that they hear someone who is doing it for the love and because they work a quote real job, overrated anyway, sidebar, (laughs) but because they're not getting paid to do it, therefore they are not that thing. And that I totally, it hurts my heart. And I disagree with that that you need to be pre-qualified. And I feel as though people are trying to put those labels on or not those labels, those um, boundaries on themselves. Absolutely. And it's funny because I, I always obviously believe in synchronicities and the fact that I just recorded week 11 before we started talking, it's actually the week where she talks about autonomy and like finding yes. your own place and like finding who you are as a person and just being and self-acceptance. And I think part of it, because she talks about, she opens the chapter by saying, For one person, having a nine to five might make them feel like they don't have to put pressure on their creative stuff. So they might feel more likely to do it. But for someone else, the nine to five might drain them so much that they have no energy for it. And it's like finding your own balance of like what works for you, but with the goal of doing the creative thing. And like, that's the whole thing is like, everybody can say, I don't have time or I can't do it. But if you really want to do it, you have to find that balance in order to make it happen. And I think for me, I totally agree that like, it's great when I see people who have like a full-time job and they're also doing these side businesses and, and amazing things. And like, I tried to do that, but I go all in hard. I'm a like triple Capricorn. I can't like, once I'm working, even if I'm only working like during the day, all my energy is used in that and I don't do anything after work and so I kind of have to like be the one to like just fully jump off a ledge and like see what happens and then be like yeah it's working cool or like nope gotta try again like I kind of have that energy where like it's all or nothing for me and Mm -hmm. so I do know I've seen obviously I know so many people in the spiritual world and most of them are creative everybody's creative but most of them are doing some sort of art in one way or another and I think that like seeing how everybody balances it differently is one of my favorite things about it is seeing how everyone can find their own place and I don't know if you've noticed that as well in terms of like finding that balance between work and creativity absolutely I I definitely have I love what the point that you made and then it's in the artist way as well I think it's so important to point out that a nine to five might fuel you or it might drain you, you know, sort of a thing. And people just need to experiment a little bit. You know, you're not going to know unless you try and I maybe not go all in like a triple Capricorn like yourself. <laughs> maybe that's not the way to do it for you, but you definitely, you, you're not going to know unless you try. And I think so much of this does eventually stem back or circle back to perfectionism. Why even try if it's not going to work or why even try if it's not going to be good? But that is the creative block that most people are dealing with, I think, or that's from what I've observed for sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah. A hundred percent. That's definitely where it is where they're like, like, I'm not going to, you know, use all of my spare time for something that's not going to be worthwhile that no one's ever going to see or that like, you know, I'm never going to put out there for, you know, to sell. And actually part of week 11, same week again, is talking about success and talking about how you can't judge your work or make the baseline what the market value is because that fluctuates and nothing is ever guaranteed and something that is not seen anywhere might do really well or you could do exactly what everybody's doing and then not get anything for it. So you might as well stick to what 
is really resonating with you instead of worrying about like how it might do in the capitalist market. Like you, you really need to come from a place of like authenticity, which she talks about a lot too. She does. She does. And I feel as though most people should ditch the idea of trying to make a career from their creativity and then creativity will bleed into their career. If that makes sense. Like not everyone is going to be a painter to, for a living the people that are, I mean, they're probably not feeling like they need to take the artist's way course, but those people that are where they just have a really intense fascination, they go, well, what's the point? Because I don't have a career with it, but then they just start doing it anyway. And they start to realize that their authentic creativity is bleeding into all other areas of their life. And they didn't even realize that they were able to do that. Like it's even if you work in a cubicle, like I do, and I have the ability to be creative. It's, I mean, it's not picking up a paintbrush and painting my computer monitor or anything like that. But I mean, it's, it's like creative problem solving and that might be good for people, you know, that if you're in a career where it matters to you, where you don't intend on giving into the side hustle or anything like so many of us are, but you can still bring your creativity into your business or your career or business, whatever it is, even though nobody ever saw that crayon drawing that you did, you know, it's, it's still affecting your life. Absolutely. And I think that's so important, especially like we were saying before, for anybody who is hesitant to even like try or hesitant to even like pick up the book. And I think I know so many people that just have like a coloring book or just do like, like my, my brother and a couple of my friends, they're into like Dungeons and Dragons and like role-playing games and stuff. And they oh, yeah, yeah. create characters, they have whole worlds and they're, I am fascinated by how quickly they can just go along and create a story and they can visualize exactly what's happening in this world. And then I'm just amazed. Like, it's not how my creativity comes out, but I am fascinated and I admire it so much because they have so much passion for it and they make time for it. They make time for their friends and they, they get so excited. They create like figures of their characters. Like it's absolutely beautiful to me when somebody has a passion, like I'm getting like, like goosebumps all down the side of my face. Like I get so inspired by people who have a passion and share it and are so committed to it. I think it's just so beautiful to see that it doesn't have to be like something you're selling or, you know, a business or how other people see art, like the traditional, like, like painting, drawing, you know, sculpture, writing a book, those things that are so big that everybody thinks you have to do to be creative. I think when you look at things like that, like games and coloring books and all those kinds of things that you can do, I think it makes it less scary in a way. Absolutely. I love that you brought up games because the world of games, the sandbox style games like Minecraft and Sims and Dungeons and Dragons is another great example where RPG games like that is just a whole nother level of creativity. Like I love watching um, I mentioned, I love watching art time lapses, but I also love watching like build time lapses and like on YouTube where it's like the Sims style or the Minecraft style. And I just think they're so cool because people are so creative and they come up with the craziest things. And it's something that I would never do because that's just not how my creativity manifests, like you said, but it's so cool to see other people doing it and hearing them talk about the process. And they're just doing it just for the love of creating. And they just go, all right, there's this beautiful house that I built. There we go. There it is. And they're just, they just do it. And if that's an extreme example, a little bit, because they are in theory, putting it out there when you don't have to, to be creative, but it is certainly still inspiring. And even if you're not putting it out there to, you know, to show the world, like you mentioned, you have to make time for it in whatever sense. And I think also kind of alluding to what you're saying, being more open to how your creativity 
manifests is so important. Uh, like, you know, some people are into interior design and some people are you know playing games or people are just simply filling in coloring books, or maybe they love Lego or some, anything like that. There's just so many different ways it can manifest. So when they're not doing the traditional things like painting or drawing or writing a book or, or even playing an instrument, they go, oh, well, that's not yeah. creative. And I'm like, well, you just built this like Harry Potter castle out of Lego. And they go, oh, well, that's not creative. And I'm like, <laughs> what? Yes, it is. <laughs> that's, I've never actually had that conversation with somebody, but uh, this is just as an example. Like my, okay. I'll use my sister as an example where she made these beautiful, like peacock feather, like pictures for her home. Cause she loves peacocks. They really resonate with her. And I can't remember exactly how she did it, like window paint or something where she basically just had like the black frames with the glass. And she just like put the feather on there and they were so pretty. They weren't very big. They, they were pretty small for a small spot in her house. And I was like, Oh, Whitney, those turned out beautiful. Like you're, I love your creativity. And she was like, Oh, those aren't creative. I just saw that on Pinterest and copied it. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like okay, whatever <laughs> you have, whatever you have to tell yourself, I suppose. But I mean, she does home decor things all the time, but she's also going to turn around and tell me that she's not creative anyway, but she's also a teacher. She teaches first grade. And I don't think there's anyone that utilizes creativity in work better than teachers of young kids. Like they get so crazy. And then they'll also turn around and tell you that they're not creative. I just, I think it's important to understand how your own creativity is manifesting. Absolutely. I feel like that's like the biggest gift that people can get from this book, even if they don't take any of the specific tasks to, to heart, just the idea that you can expand the world of creativity out past the traditional arts. And I think, like you said, those people that say I'm not creative, Bill, in the next breath, like you said, tell you like a whole project they just did. And you're like, excuse me, like, do you not understand that you're being creative? My mom is one of those people where she does admit that she wants to write and she's, she is creative, but like for years, she would be like, oh, I'm not creative. She wouldn't want to draw with us or do like Pictionary or whatever, but she decorated cakes and sold them to people and they were beautiful. And I was like, how do you not like make that connection to be like, obviously I, I am terrible with like, you know, that kind of stuff, but she's so good at it. And she has a way of just knowing, you know, the colors to use. And she was able to replicate like very specific, like characters and things. And I'm just like, like you said, it's just like, how can the person that you're admiring their work be like, oh, but I'm not creative. It's like, but you are, it's right. just not manifesting in like a traditional way. Right. And I think it's so great to have more of these conversations so that like more people will see themselves in those conversations and be like, oh, well, I do that. Is that creative? And like start to expand their own view of themselves as well. Absolutely. And food is something I didn't even remember to think about, but baking and cooking, like also super creative in a, in a practical way, you know, a roadblock I used to always tell myself from what that kept me from painting was that what am I supposed to do with all my art? Like it's not practical. And that's kind of why I always liked making jewelry because I felt like that was quote practical art because mm -hmm. I could like wear my art. And I still kind of feel that way where, you know, I put all these hours into this beautiful woven pendant and now I can wear it and, and admire it as opposed to a painting that might turn out really badly where I'm not going to show it to anybody, but there are like quote practical ways to make art where you're, if it's, if it, that makes it easier for you to bring it yeah. into your everyday life, you absolutely should do it. Like, like cooking is a great example. My husband gets so creative with cooking and it's crazy. The amount of things he comes up with, it's fantastic. And they're often not replicable. So that's another mark of the artist. In my opinion, you can't recreate it no matter how hard you try. 
I love that you said that because that's like, I love cooking too. And I just like cook for myself most of the time. But then <laughs> in the past, I have had so many times when I would make something when I was in that like creative urge to make something for dinner. And someone would ask me like, Oh, what did you put in this? And I would have like amnesia. It'd be like, I literally could tell you like spices. I question mark. I'm not sure. Butter maybe. And, yeah. I'm sure there was stuff in there. I don't know what. And it's funny because you're right. It is one of those things that like, whenever you can't replicate something, chances are that's because it was creative and you were inspired in the moment and you weren't planning it. And I think that's such a great point. Like just to think in your life of like any other examples of like when you lose track of time or can't replicate something or can't explain how you got the idea for it, like any area of life, I think. And that's so such a common thread in artists where they, the creative amnesia, I don't really have another word for it, but a lot yeah, of like really 100%. famous people will say like, oh, I don't really know where this idea came from. I just, there it was and here this is. <laughs> and, and not just with um, art in particular, but like Steve Jobs is famous for saying that sort of thing where the ideas would just pop into his head. Tesla used to say those sort of things and they were creative and engineering um, and they obviously changed the world. And Einstein would make comments like that as well. Their history books are saying that he was making comments about that. It's a really common thing that people don't realize. I think they don't, they're not really thinking about it all the time. So they're like, oh, I am not creative in the sense where I'm not coming up with my own ideas, but a lot of the most creative people don't know where their ideas came from. <laughs> it's, that's what kind of that's brings so it back true. to spirituality a little bit because it's, it's the muse. It's your higher self. It's, it's source giving you that idea. And then you're working in tandem with source to create that beautiful thing that you were meant to create. Otherwise you wouldn't have gotten that inspiration. I a hundred percent agree with that. I think that the more we can realize that, like you said, even engineering, anything in the world that was created at some point from nothing was through someone who was being creative, whether they called it that or not. But I think that like, it's so common, like you said, for like the great thought leaders of the world that are not always like artists, but they're changing the world. And I think that's something that we don't get reminded of enough when we're growing up that like even the people that are engineers and who are in these like more traditionally structured positions, they're still being creative, like problem solving itself is a creative thing. And I feel like people need to give themselves more credit, even if even coding, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. anything that like bill is the building block of society is creative. Absolutely. I don't care what anybody says. And you could take that all the way back, you know, a half a million years to the, the Neanderthals, like they were the most creative because they were like, what happens when I do this? <laughs> what happens yeah. when I do this? Like, and they were ultimately setting the foundation for creativity in our DNA, because we obviously come from them. So I, I like to bring up history because I, I love history and I think it's really important. So thought leaders, prehistory, it's all there yeah. encoded. It's not like this isn't a new thing. Um, people yeah. always, they we're so in our own heads in modern times where we often are feeling really removed from history, even only a couple hundred years ago, where, I mean, yeah, the 1800s were a while ago, but we're really not that far 
behind from them. And yet we're, we feel as though we're different from these people, but those people had all the same creative desires and they were also extremely creative. That was the industrial period, right? Where the whole world was changing ultimately to get to where we are now. And without all that creative energy, we wouldn't be here to be able to chat in completely different countries over Zoom yeah. to make a podcast. <laughs> so <laughs> exactly, even a podcast itself, like that right. wouldn't have even existed, right? No, I think, like communication, like there's so many things that I think if people really started just doing the work from the artist's way and like listing all the things they would want to do or they enjoy doing, I think they would find so much freedom in that thinking like, they don't have to do things the way they see other people doing things. Like I know like people who grow up in like a creative family where everyone's, you know, a musician and an artist, they might be feel like the not creative one, but I guarantee you they have some sort of a hidden talent that they're just not using because we've been talking about the artist way, obviously. And you had mentioned that you also do the morning pages. I was wondering if there was anything from doing the morning pages that really has shifted your own perspective of yourself or has like made changes for you in other areas of life as well. I think just like what she outlines in the artist artist way happened for me, where she talks about um, once you are able to kind of essentially work through the muck. She puts it much more eloquently than that. <laughs> but that's essentially what you're doing when you do the morning pages, which you journal three pages right away in the morning, like the, as soon as you wake up. Um, you're kind of just wiping the slate clean and then you're able to like get deeper into the root of whatever it is is going on with you that day. And if you do that consistently, you will ultimately start to grow and transform and get to deeper parts of yourself that you weren't accessing before. So that's probably the biggest transformation that's happened with me with morning pages specifically. And I don't always do exact three pages. And, and that's such an ambiguous measurement anyway, because obviously your one journal is way bigger than the other one. But um, it, I what I typically do actually when I do my morning pages is actually scripting. So I transformed it into a manifesting exercise. Just real quick, if you're not familiar with scripting and manifesting, it's just when you write out your the narrative of your dream reality as if you're writing the story of your life in present tense. So that's what I, how I typically do my morning pages and it helps me bring to fruition whatever it is I'm working for, which is inherently transformational. The law of attraction is just, in, is just transformational. So, and that took me a little while to figure out to do when I first started doing morning pages where I think at first they are started off as like, oh, this is bothering me. Like, oh, this was amazing. Like, oh, I can't stop thinking about how great this was or the movie we saw last night sucked. Like, yeah, <laughs> like that sort of thing. Uh, but then eventually I realized I was like, wow, I'm doing this every single day and I don't necessarily care to write anything else other than like my own reality. So that is what is making it transformational. I think is that I turned it into a manifesting exercise. I think that's really cool because in my head, knowing that this episode is going to be out on the 28th is right before New Year's. So anybody that's like not sure what to do for the morning pages to start, that's a great way to do it. I love getting all the random things that are bothering me onto the page, like you said. And then from there, it always turns into something else. And half the time I'll get partway through and I immediately have to go to like one of my, I have like several journals. I have a journaling system, but I'll be like, oh my God, that's a good idea. And it's just like, it just comes through naturally. And like you said, you should you shape it into your own thing. It's just starting out with like the basic three pages, clearing your brain and then see where it takes you. I love that you've made it your own and that it's something that you're using as like a daily ritual as well. 
And I think that that's such an important point. Like even just because she says to do something a certain way in the book doesn't mean you can't change it to make it your own. I think that's a great point in itself. Right. And she even says, be creative with it, you know? And um, I think she initially envisioned the morning pages just being that it'd be just kind of being a diary of like kind of whatever's on your mind sort of a thing, just so you more easily cope with whatever is coming your way that day. But I think you can only do so much of that, you know, and I have a journaling system as well. So I have like my mer- my uh, morning pages book slash scripting book, but then I have my makeshift bullet journal sort of a situation where if I really want to talk about the movie that I saw last night that I love because I also love movies and it's a whole nother creative thing that I just love storytelling. Similar to your brother with D&D, I love storytelling. Um, so if I really want to talk about that sort of thing, I just like write it down like my my bullet journal because that's kind of like a whole nother creative process in general is like how you keep tasks and your own systems in your life and that sort of thing. So everything does have a place, um, which sounds like it wouldn't be creative, but I think it's just more efficient than structural. Oh yeah. You know what I mean, <laughs> definitely. I'm totally that person. Like you said, even creating your schedule is a creative thing. You're deciding what to do with time and time is my favorite thing, even though it's an illusion. Yeah, <laughs> it absolutely is an illusion. It's however we choose to spend it and deal with it is that's what time is. So, and, uh, making time for your creativity, like your, your artist state, I feel like is really important, but also recognizing creativity in all these other areas in your life will, I think, make it easier to make time for your artist state. And in the book, she recommends your artist state being like, go to a museum, go to a park and that sort of thing. But for me, that never like felt right. Like to me, when I hear artist state, I hear like, I am, at 9 p.m. on Friday nights, I sit down with my paintbrush no matter what. Like, to me, that's what an artist date is. So I'm curious to hear what your artist date things are. What do you do? I'm similar to you. I, it's, I'm an introvert. So like going out, if I have to go somewhere to do it, I'm probably not going to do it. So for me, it's more just saying, okay, I'm going to pull out my watercolors on this day, or I'm going to even brainstorming, I consider an artist date thing, because if there's something that I've been like dying to like work out in my head for a project that I just haven't yet, I consider that like the time I'm going to do that. Before I started doing the series, I still have been doing the morning pages for a long time. And one of the things like when I was thinking of my artist state at one point was to create my logo for like my podcast and like those kinds of things I'll like leave as artist dates because as much as they're for a purpose, for me, if I don't leave time for them, they don't end up feeling creatively fulfilling because I'll do them really rushed. And I'll just like do them to get them done. But if I make it like a whole thing with like a ritual, like you were saying, where if I actually set aside the time, I know that's my time to do it. It feels more fun. Usually what I do is I put on like a romantic comedy movie. I like have my tea or hot chocolate or whatever. And then I'm like sitting and like, that's the time to do it. So it gives me at least an hour and a half or two hours, which is usually what she says, like the minimum for your artist date. So I'm similar to you where I just choose like something I want to do. And it's usually at home. Occasionally it is going out somewhere. The thrift store is my other Oh like, yeah, absolutely. That's my I love other thrifting. artist date. Yes. Yeah, because you get I get so inspired. Like I'll see a random thing and I'll be like, I know exactly what I'm gonna do with this. <laughs> I'll just see something and be like, oh my God, I have something similar at home. I could do this with it. And it just like opens my brain up in a weird way that nothing else really does. <laughs> no, I totally agree. I I love thrifting like that, especially furniture. Um, for sure. It's amazing. Yeah, I have actually a dresser that I use in my living room that my TV is on. That oh, me too. I, 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, painted, I painted it it's like a teal color with a gray Ooh. green accent color because I just was like I don't want just a regular tv stand and I, right. I have dvds I have things I want to store it's just I don't want it to be like you know an ugly console table so right right and you know sometimes when the muse hits you just have to do it like I don't always oh, yeah. wait till Friday to paint or you saying that if you just need to get it done you need to just do it so it's not rushed made me think of this that sometimes if like something is like gnawing at my brain and I just need to brain dump it right now I will otherwise I won't be able to move on with my with my um projects so I know you are this way too but I have big dreams and I have big intentions and I I don't like saying the phrase someday I'll do this someday I'll do this it's more like one day I'll do this I just have different priorities right now and I do that a lot yes. with my the fiction that I want to write because I like I mentioned at the beginning like writing is probably the core of everything that I do so even though painting is my favorite hobby I don't see writing as a hobby because that's my job so when I think of a new thing that I want to write about that has nothing to do with my spiritually inspired brand, like a new story or whatever. If I don't sit down and brain dump that entire idea, I can't focus on anything else. And even if I don't touch it again for two more years, when I come back, it will be like a whole fresh sense of inspiration. So I think my creativity shows up a lot in that way. And that's not ritualistic at all. That's more like, I need to do it right now. <laughs> There's no option. So yeah, it can, it can be crazy sometimes for sure. <laughs> yeah, I totally relate to that because I have moments where I just am like, even when I'm trying to do my cards in the morning or my even my morning pages, I have like a sticky note notepad now where if I think of something I need to do, I just write it instead of going and doing it because like I just, I'm like you, if I have something stuck in my head, I literally can't do anything else. Writing something by hand is so powerful. It just like clears your mind so well and yep. I feel like that's why I've kind of adapted that system of like if I need to get something out of my head I have to write it down and then I'm like okay it's there if I want to look at it later yes I'm the exact same way like I always need to have my notepad open especially while I'm working multitasking doesn't exist right which is if I don't have my notepad open and I have an idea of like oh I need to remember to do this if I don't write that down I'm just going to start doing it and then I'm going to try and get back to what I was doing before and it's not efficient and it's but if I write write down and be like okay no finish this first Sarah right and then you can go do that other thing yeah yeah I need to do that 100%. as well I have to do it that way. <laughs> otherwise I get nothing I, you know you do like a little bit of all the things and then yeah. you're like I didn't accomplish anything so that's right. my only way of doing it is like just knowing what the next tasks are but not necessarily trying to multitask because I'm the same way I think that I'm a good multitasker but I'm not no one is it's like you're never doing the one thing at the same time oh exactly you just hit the nail on the head multitasking isn't doesn't exist especially with when it comes to creativity I think where yes you can watch a movie and paint at the same time that's not really the same thing you can't paint and write music at the same time you know you yeah. you, you can't uh you know play your instrument while also trying to figure out your novel like that's those yeah. aren't really the same thing so yeah uh, and it took me a long time to realize that too about myself it took me kind of starting to learn a little bit more about neuroscience just from a manifesting perspective to understand that multitasking is a myth and I would yeah. like to have a word with anyone who thinks that they're good at multitasking because I have some words for them <laughs> and that's yeah, no exactly, <laughs> exactly. This has been such an amazing conversation, but I always like to ask because it's spirit crumbs, if there are any like spirit crumbs or synchronicities that have, that you've followed to either get to where you are now or for like a manifestation, but like, what are the ones that stand out to you as like your favorite spirit crumbs? 
I think writing is the biggest spirit come in my life where every time I was feeling low or lost, I would realize that it had been a really long time since I journaled or did morning pages or something similar to morning pages. And as soon as I went back to that, life was good again. And I was happier and I was able to work through whatever it is I was working like that. I can think of like six different times throughout my life where that has happened. And I always would ask myself, why did I drift away from this? Why did I go away from writing? And now it's been, you know, like four years since I've officially stopped writing, like fell off the writing bag bandwagon. But every time I felt lost, I would have a little voice in my head. There's lots of voices in my head, but I would have one particular voice in my head that would say, Hey, remember how fun journaling was? Like, just, just pull it out. doesn't matter what you say. Nobody's going to read it. And I would often, when I was younger, I would often burn my journal pages because I felt as though they were just, it was just cleansing in that way. But I was always writing down everything when I came back to it. And then I would feel so much better able to cope with whatever it was. And that has just been the crumbs going through my whole life that have led me to where I am now, which is writing for my, for my job. I love that. Yeah. I feel like that is such a good point that sometimes they're in ways that aren't, that you wouldn't really detect. Like they're so subtle, but like they're there where it's just like a reminder, like, Hey, guess what? If you're looking for the answer, you just have to go write and then you'll figure it out. We'll give you the answers. You just have to physically be doing something for me. It's always the tangible nature of it. Of like, like you said, like the spirit crime for you being like, go and write and then going and doing it. It's you taking the action. It's you doing something with that. And then you're given the answers. It's not just like it's being handed to you on a platter, like, you know, whatever it is you're trying to manifest or whatever it is you're trying to figure out. You still have to do something to get there. Absolutely. And it's always been there. It's always been consistent ever since I was a child. Um, I just, it's something I always came back to. So when I finally realized in my late twenties, I was like, why do I will never stepping away from this ever again, because it has always been with me. So it's never leaving me again. So I think ultimately my spirit crumbs led me to that realization for that. It's, it's meant to be there. Otherwise they wouldn't have been crumbs that led me here to the whole cookie that I'm about to devour. (laughs) Exactly. I love that. Yeah. That's so beautiful. How it's just kind of been that like gentle, but like always present force for you to keep moving forward in that direction. I think that's so awesome. Thank you. Since we're at the end of the episode, hoping that you could share with us ways where people could find you and like what you're up to so that we can follow along with your journey. Absolutely. Thank you so much for the opportunity and having me on. It's been so much fun. I love these conversations and you're so much fun to chat with. So you can find me and everything that I'm doing. A good place to start is spirituallyinspired.co. My podcast is on all the podcast apps, Spiritually Inspired. I'm on YouTube as well. Uh, So I have my, it's like a video podcast. That's my main thing that I do is video podcast. And if you prefer to read, I have all my blog posts there as well. And you'll find links to my books, my offerings. Oh God, I do everything. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Hopefully by the time this comes out, I'm going to be gearing up to start offering crystal Reiki sessions. So if that's something that interests you, head over to spirituallyinspired.co and you'll find me on there. That is awesome. That's so exciting. I love that you have something new coming up. I feel like we all always do, but that's really exciting. (laughs) And thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's been a blast. It has. Thank you so much for joining me on another episode of Spirit Crumbs. You can find me on Instagram for this podcast at Spirit Crumbs. Or you can also find me at Concrete and Crystals for my own spiritual offerings and more tidbits about my own journey. 
Thank you for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.